Sunday worship service, prayer vigil, and you can take this home and, and pray on that. This is happening right now. Yes, this very minute, brothers and sisters in the prayer room on the far side of the building. And that's been a really neat ministry to have going on. People volunteering to lift up our service, our congregation, our church to the Lord at this very point gathered together before him back there. If you'd like to get involved with that ministry, if you'd like to take a half an hour on a Sunday morning during service with the prayer ministry, we invite you to sign up, I believe in the entryway still, or you can get with uh, Beverly Stratton for more details on that. I'd like to encourage you prayerfully consider these prayer ministries here at Ferris. And you know, it's no coincidence that once again, I've kicked off our message time together talking about opportunities for prayer. Today's Sermon from the Mount, as we're continuing through uh, the, uh, Matthew 5 through 7, certainly deals with the subject of prayer. My friends, do we take the opportunity, do we take the opportunity to go to God in prayer? Do you realize that God wants to hear from you? He wants to hear from you and I. The question this morning I want to ask is, when we pray, do we really want to hear from Him? Do we want to hear from Him? Or do we just want Him to listen to what we have to say? Do we just want Him to listen to what we have to say? Now, I promise not every illustration this morning is going to be about diet, but I do have one more story for you. There's a story told about a couple who were trying to diet together. Having been addicted to sugar, this couple had lasted about a week into a new routine, new lifestyle of diet. And it was tough. But thanks to an active prayer life, this couple was determined to go to God instead of going to sweets. And everything went well, everything went great until the 10th day of the diet. When the husband came home with a box of donuts, donuts, mortified, his wife asked him why he brought home the donuts. And the husband said, well, it went like this. On the way home, before I reached the donut shop this afternoon, I prayed to God. And I prayed, I said, if he wanted me to buy some donuts... Oh, Lord, just have a parking spot available in front of the donut store. I took it as a sign from God when a parking spot was open. Knowing that this donut shop sat at a busy corner, his wife said incredulously, You found a place to park at that intersection on the way home from work? And the husband said, I sure did. Only took me eight times around the block, too. It sounds like a strange question to ask. Do I want to hear from God? Do I really want to hear what he has to say to me? And as I ask the question, I'm asking whether or not we want to hear from him. I think most of us do want to talk to him. I think most of us want to talk to God. Statistically, believe it or not, even in this country, at this point in history, there's no shortage of people, it's believed, who talk to God. According to the Pew Research Center, 55% of the overall U.S. adult population prays to God daily. 
I don't know the content of those prayers, but at approximately uh, 245.3 million adults in the United States, the math comes out to something like 134.9 million people in our country alone daily talk to God statistically, and you thought your inbox was full. If over half the population of this country is actively in conversation with Almighty God, it kind of begs the question, doesn't it? Why are we faced with so many problems in this country? Do you wonder? Do you wonder? For example, why is it half of all Americans favor a national recognition of an expanded definition of marriage, you know, well beyond what the Bible says? Well beyond what the Bible says. Why is it half of all Americans don't follow God's standards of financial stewardship? In fact, they barely scrape by. Why is it that half of all Americans, uh, for example, struggle in managing their money, carry high balances of credit card debt? Why is it half of all Americans contribute to the uh, opioid painkiller crisis using other drugs? Haven't we realized by now with all these prayers, with all this time spent with God, that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why is it that half of all Americans suffer from high blood pressure, obesity, other physical conditions? Many times we bring these on ourselves. And why do we find that we, as a group of people, collectively make so many poor decisions, culturally, socially, sexually, spiritually, decisions that affect us for many years, if not for the rest of our lives and our children's lives? If over half of us are people of prayer, why is that? If over half of us are going to God, I realize not all of these groups, not all of these the same groups I mentioned are likely as the same group as the other half. But brothers and sisters, statistics show Americans are halfway down the line a praying group of people. So what's the problem? What's our problem? In going to God. Maybe our problem is we're like that guy in front of the donut shop. Or like that guy in front of the donut shop. We may be conversing to God, conversing with God, talking to God, but we're not listening for what God has to say. James chapter 4, verse 3 mentions, we often ask God, we often talk to God, we have the wrong motives when we pray. That is, we're not praying to listen, we're praying to speak. Have you ever been in a, a one-sided conversation with someone? And you know it. One-sided conversation with an individual. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. You can't really accomplish anything from your side of the table. You, you have to let the other person have complete control of the exchange at all times. Maybe on the phone it's happened to you. You're sitting there going, well, yep, yep, I know, yep, uh-huh, okay. You been there? You end up just nodding your head. The other person can't actually see you nod your head if you're on the phone, so it gets to the point where you start to wonder why you got on the phone with them in the first place, right? You start to figure out, this person isn't at all interested in what I have to say. Have you been in exchanges like that? It's frustrating to try to communicate when we're treated this way, but you know sometimes we treat God the same way. We often want our chance to speak to him in prayer, but then we don't want to listen to what God has to say back to us. And in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his followers, our Lord only has our best interests at heart, so we needn't be afraid of seeking his will in our time of prayer, prayer room, prayer meeting, private prayer. It may be on our end of the stick to initiate the conversation, but the Bible says God 
answers our prayers. Look with me. Matthew 7, verses 7 to 13. And Jesus says this. He says to us from the mount, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now that's the end of our text today. So when it comes to our prayer lives, Jesus, Jesus has these three little words for us today, and they're found in three places here, verse 7. What are they? Ask, seek, knock. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Ask, seek, knock. Three ways Jesus gives his followers, three illustrations regarding the power of prayer so that we may be active, we may be present, we may be faithful, in our prayer lives. I realize the temptation in our prayer lives is, is to be passive, isn't it? It's to be passive. It's to be uh, nonchalant, doubtful about their effectiveness. Has this ever happened to you? I know it's happened to me before where we start thinking, well, well God's not going to respond to me. He's not, he, he doesn't, he's not going to answer my prayers. He's not going to give me a simple straight answer with this. I might as well just tell God all the things I want for my life and ask him to bless those wishes. Sometimes we take what, what more resembles a letter to Santa Claus and mumble it to heaven. We'll, we'll give God what's called lip service. We've already got a plan. We've already got a direction. We've already got a pile of stuff in mind for our future. And, and because we, we, we doubt God's provision for our lives or that God knows best, we tend to throw worldly requests to heaven as if we know better. To make matters worse, you'll actually hear from some preachers, maybe some preachers on TV do this all the time, these blessings in abundance people. People will tell you God just wants you to be rich if you want to be rich. I'm sure you've run across these guys before. To quote one commentator, Matthew 7 this scripture right here, verses 7 to 11, has become sort of bread and, bread and butter of the health, wealth, and prosperity movement as though God is some sort of celestial slot machine. Pull the handle enough times in prayer and you'll get what you want. But here's the thing, the purpose of all this asking, seeking, and knocking. It isn't that God signs off on our will for our lives. The purpose is that we better align ourselves with God, that we align our will with his will. But maybe we think, what if I don't hear back from God? What if I, what if I ask? What if I expect God to give? What if I seek? What if I expect God to, to reveal something to me? What if I knock? What if I expect a door to be opened from heaven and I end up feeling uh, like I've got nothing, seeing no one, getting nowhere? What's the point, right? Have you ever felt this way? Although ask, seek, knock may not be about what we want for our lives, like we're playing some kind of slot machine, or like we have to drive around the donut shop eight times to find a parking place, if prayer does have anything in common with the donut store guy, and this is where Jesus is getting it here this morning, it's that prayer requires one other P word. Please take a note of this word, persistence. Persistence. Ask, seek, knock. Be persistent. You see, we have to keep in mind to whom we're speaking as we await his word. 
As one author comments, Jesus tells his disciples to keep on keeping on, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. In verses 7 and 8 of our text, Jesus does not say in 24 hours it will be given to you. Jesus doesn't say in three days you'll receive word from our customer service department. Jesus doesn't say in a week someone will reach out to you. God doesn't run like UPS. Matthew 7-7 isn't like a, a meme on Facebook. Share a picture of this angel and in 24 hours you'll be blessed by 500,000 grand. Those don't work. Don't, don't do that, by the way. Jesus doesn't say when the Father will respond, the manner in which the Father will respond, but Jesus does promise the Father will respond. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 promises us, God hears all our prayers if, if we ask in accordance with his will. It's so important we don't forget this part. In accordance with the will of God, it's very important to remember we're on God's timeline. Maybe we're thinking, what about these issues? What about these struggles, these problems? I'm having trouble with this morning. I mean, I need help. I need help now, right now. I need God to take care of some things in my life. I need to be, be given something now to find whatever it is this morning for my life. I need to have the door opened up this week. Am I supposed to wait a lifetime for God? As I pray, have I been put on hold with heaven? Is this like, your call is very important to us, please hold. <laughs> Mixed signals, you know. I mean, what really is the point? To better understand the way God is working through the constant asking, seeking, and knocking of his people, we must remember verse 7 here. Jesus is talking big picture. God may not instantly allow a fix, quick fix overnight for our, our money or our temper, our relationship problem. But when we lift these things to him in prayer, we're trusting him to put together the big picture of our lives with these pieces that we're bringing together. Asking for God's will in shaping our lives to look the way he's intended is not unlike a small child who, who brings a 40-piece puzzle to mommy. You've been there? That can be fun. I don't know his mommy, but, you know, his daddy. The child knows the puzzle is supposed to look like the picture on the box, but they can't put the, the puzzle together. The child needs mommy's help, depending on how old they are. A small child putting together the big picture, right? And when we pray, we're bringing the puzzle pieces to God. We're seeking God's help with the big picture, too. You know, if our prayer life with God sounds like a parent-child relationship, bingo. That's what it is. And that's exactly why Jesus goes there in the latter half of our text. Just like a small child, do we always know what's best for ourselves? One author writes, finding that parents are the key to getting many things. Our children commonly ask for what they want. Uh, can I have some cookies, Mom, for example? Sometimes 300 times in a row. The answer is not so simple. Maybe the answer is, yes, I've, you come, come grab a few. Maybe the answer is, no, they're going to spoil your dinner. Maybe the answer is, not right now, finish your math homework, do the rest of your chores. Maybe then you can take a break, then you can have some cookies. Maybe you found approaching God can be like that. Lord, please, 
Please, can you get me out of this problem, out of this situation? Lord, please, a new car, financial situation. Lord, please, could you, could you please take care of this eye problem I'm having? And God's answer to all of these may be yes. God's answer may be no. God's answer may be wait. But Jesus has told us that the Father knows what we need before we ask him in Matthew 6, 8. So as we go to him, broken and incomplete, we can trust that he's putting together the big picture, the big picture for us as he sees fit, as we're bringing him the pieces. You know, as parents, you and I, we, we don't always know uh, maybe what's best. We, we, we do our best sometimes, but... And I think we often do better than, than we give ourselves credit. I read across one thing on... on uh, uh, on Facebook lately, I, I liked it, said, uh, don't, don't, don't belittle the little that your parents gave you when you were growing up. It was probably all they had. I like that. You know, as parents, uh, it, we're broken people, too. We, we have sinful hearts often. Uh, we have the wrong motives for the decisions that, that we make sometimes. But I think, I think many of us give the most uh, we have as we can, right? And this is where Jesus goes here with this. We don't always give the best gifts to our kids. You know, sometimes it's easier when you're a parent, and, and just being honest here, full disclosure, it's easier. Oh, hey, here, take this. Go, just, just go. Take this phone, take this tablet, rather than, uh, you know, extend a hug and an open lap and say, okay, sit down, let's read Brown Bear, Brown Bear for the 8,000th time this week. <laughs> Jesus looks at you and me, and although he knows we as parents don't always, don't always make the right call, verse 11, you know, he also sees us getting it right from time to time. I like that. I like that. Verse 9, read with me again, where Jesus says, if, if which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? He goes on, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Good news, unlike you, unlike me, as a parent, God always knows what's best for us. He always knows what's best for his children every time. Amen? If we're persistent in prayer to our Father in heaven, if we're fervently asking him for his will in our lives in all ways, not holding anything back, lifestyles, relationships, health issues, <clears throat> doctrine, God will bless us with nothing but the best. His way. Verse 10. Instead of stones and snakes, he's working on giving us fish and bread. We know he's good at that. One commentator writes, What do a bread and stone have in common? They're similar in shape. And a fish and a snake, they both have scales. Jesus is saying in verses 9 and 10 that we can trust God to give what is good and not instead slip up with something useless or even dangerous. Unlike our judgment, right? This is an example Jesus doesn't give in the text, but... You know, even, even earthly parents, those of you who are maybe into popular films, if our children ask to watch a science fiction film, we know to show them Star Wars Episode Four, not Hercules against the Moon Men, right? There's your illustration for the morning. That, that was the best one I got. 
And speaking of useless or dangerous, we, we know God's not going to slip up and give us the moon, man. He knows we need Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Yoda. I'm not saying our prayers will, will gain us the proverbial BMWs of life, but I'm saying our prayers will get us what we need. We're promised. We have to ask, seek, and knock, and, and not fear what God has in store for us from His point in eternity. And no matter what we think is good for our lives, we have to trust His answer will be the very best in His timing. You know, unfortunately, instead of trusting God's Word in the long run, it seems like we're often listening to a lot of other voices, aren't we? A lot of other voices in the here and now. I mean, think about it. Think about all the voices we hear on a daily basis. The TV, for years and years and years and years, what, it's been a tool for voices of advertising, telling us what we need? We've got the internet now, several decades of that. Today we have uh, smartphones, we have these digital assistants, this artificial intelligence that will, will even bring things to our very doorstep, uh, Bluetooth speakers, all these things uh, letting us know uh, the things that, that we think we need. There's a chance your favorite search engine or your favorite social media app already knows far more about you uh, than your own family does. These are making a whole lot of racket at you every day. Political voices, both far right and far left, come at us through every one of these mediums. It's difficult to know which voice contains a measure of the truth, right? Entertainers, public figures continue to capture our attention, and this makes for a very, very noisy world. So it's imperative that we go to God. We go to God, not just to speak to God, but to listen. To listen. No matter our circumstances, listening to the still small voice will guarantee the Christian safe travels home. But on the flip side, failure to listen might cost us our very life. One preacher tells the story of an 81-year-old man I'm only going to try to say this last name once. Robert Kupferschmid. Mr. K was forced to land a plane with no flying experience one day. We'll just call him Robert. One day, Robert and his 52-year-old pilot friend were flying from Indianapolis to Muncie, Indiana, when suddenly the pilot slumped over and died at the controls. Quickly, the single-engine plane began to nosedive, and so Robert grabbed the controls and began using the plane's radio to signal for help. Fortunately, two pilots heard the call and began immediately giving Robert instructions. The closest airport located in Mount Comfort, Indiana, an, un, an unincorporated community, not unlike our community, uh, Mount Comfort, Indiana became Robert's new destination. The story continues, through the uncertainty, <clears throat> despite his circumstances, Robert listened closely to every word as he was given this steady stream of instructions on how to climb, steer, and land the plane. The pilots below circled the runway three times before the inexperienced and obviously very frantic Robert was ready to land. And as emergency vehicles waited nearby in case of disaster, and as Mount Comfort witnesses gathered to see the plane's nose nudge the center line and bounce before the tail hit the ground, Robert landed the plane. And to everyone's amazement, he came out without a scratch. It was a bumpy ride for Robert K. that day. 
and he didn't exactly travel smoothly from one point to another. But because Robert listened carefully and followed the instructions of those pilots so precisely, that plane landed safely. But what if he hadn't? What if Robert hadn't listened to those pilots? What if he hadn't trusted them to put the pieces of this puzzle together for him? What if Robert had grabbed that plane's radio only to ask for things? Can you imagine? Oh, yeah, I'm in a tailspin up here heading for certain death, but do you think there's any way I could get this plane crash more comfortable? I mean, could I get some pillows up here maybe, some cookies? Just imagine. Robert would have lost everything if he'd only been concerned with his present circumstances on that plane. Can you imagine if Robert thought he had known best in trying to land that plane without seeking the advice of someone who'd flown it, maybe even worked on it? Robert's very life that day depended on following the instructions of those pilots. This preacher concludes, imagine how our entire lives might turn out, how our lives could be transformed if we listened, if we followed God's instructions with the same care as Robert had when he landed that plane. My friends, you know there are people that will look at this life and they'll say, it's, it's only a ride. But on this bumpy ride called life, even or especially when you feel like you're going into a nosedive, I encourage you to keep the radio on to heaven. But be sure that when you do, you're following God's instructions for your life through all of it, it might just make the difference between the proverbial plane coming in and the plane going down. My brothers and sisters, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity with your church. You have an opportunity with your friends, with your loved ones, with your neighbors to get more involved. Get more involved in prayer. Be committed to lives where you're listening to God. And you have opportunities to get involved, maybe with the, the prayer ministries offered to you here. Again, if at all possible, mark those calendars for May 3rd for that National Day of Prayer Service coming up. If at all appropriate, sign up for a slot in the rotation during our a Sunday morning prayer vigil ministry. Or, or maybe find a prayer partner here, a prayer partner, a group of prayer warriors here at Ferris among the, among the brothers and sisters. If you don't have that group, if you don't know of anyone uh, who, who you'd like to share prayer accountability with, uh, see me, see one of the elders. We'd be, we'd be happy to get you plugged in, plugged in. But whatever you do, however you do it, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And as you ask, as you seek, as you knock, keep in mind that your purpose in all this praying, it's not to change God's mind about his will for you. It's to allow your heart to be changed in accordance with his will. That's the purpose. Let me ask this question again. It's not an easy question. Do you want to hear from God this morning? Do you want to hear from him? That's a big question. And, and I realize that not all 143 million praying people in this country are, are maybe going to desire this two-way conversation with the Almighty in this life. I know it's a lot easier to be going on and on and on and on and on in a one-way conversation about what we want. But perhaps we'll find, brothers and sisters, 
the more we pray, not for the stones, not for the serpents of our own earthly desires, but for fish and bread from heaven. As we pray, our God will multiply the numbers of those who are already approaching heaven beside us. Just imagine, just imagine, my friends, what God could do, what he could accomplish in our country, in our world, if we, the followers of Christ, were all to ask, seek, and knock, as we've sang before, not for the hand of our Lord and Savior, but for his face. May we listen. May we listen to Christ's words from the mount and continue to listen for his will as we go to him in prayer. Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we come to you this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we, we understand as, as, as people that struggle, as people that have pains, people that have problems, issues in this life, Lord, and in this broken world. Lord, we, we, we know, and full disclosure, it's, it's easier for us to look away from you, to ask, but to ask with the wrong motives, to look at prayer as something that isn't necessary or is surface, is a one-time event. Lord, you, Scripture tells us to be people of prayer, people of fervent prayer. Pray without ceasing. Lord, we, we, Scripture has told us also to ask, seek, and knock. Lord, you've promised us the very best. But Lord, we have to truly want the best for ourselves. Lord, as, as we look around us, we see uh, a country, we see a world. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hang-ups. Lord, I know that we may not know the answers to all these problems overnight. But Lord, we know that ultimately you are the answer. Help us, Lord, to be convicted. To trust these little lives we have. These short years here, this short time we're given, entrusted all to you, all that we do, all that we are, to give ourselves fully to you and to trust you because you give the best for your children. Help us, Lord, in our unbelief. Lord, I just pray that if, if there be anyone that, that doesn't know you, that hasn't made that decision to follow you, to, to trust you, to accept you as Savior, to, to be immersed into baptism in you, Lord, I pray that, that they, would, they would choose to obey your word and begin that journey. And above all, Lord, I I thank you for your grace and mercy that you've given to us at the cross. It is in the name of Jesus I pray these things, amen.
We don't always know what's best, but God does. We don't know all the answers, but God does. We don't have everything figured out, but God does. Although we live in a, in a difficult place, on a difficult planet, he's already overcome the world. We can trust that he knows what's best for me, too. At this time, we're going to go into a time of invitation, a time in which we remember Jesus, friend of sinners. And if you have a public decision to make this morning, to come forward, be immersed into Jesus. If you have another public decision to make, we invite you to do so. Brother Gerald's going to come forward, um, and we're going to sing, Jesus, friend of sinners. Would you stand?